Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another Malifaux episode for everybody. So we got Pete back here, and this time I got somebody new off the bench. We're going to have one of our locals, Chris, not that non-tech Asian one, but Chris Leopard from our local meta, who's really big into War Machine, but he switched into Malifaux because, I mean, Malifaux is an awesome game, but Chris, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks. You were a long-time War Machine player, correct? I was. I played War Machine for quite a while. I mean, you you were in the group that I kind of ran for a while, and then you you pretty much been the one trying to keep it afloat ever since, right? Absolutely. I was trying desperately to keep it afloat. It um, it's doing semi well, but uh, not as good as uh, I was hoping. Yeah, and I know the state of the game of War Machines. Really, I've I've actually been hearing people say that and i think dixon said this on our last podcast episode where he said he knew somebody who's trying to get rid of their war machine stuff but couldn't get rid of it at like 20 percent retail yeah i uh i actually was trying to get rid of some of my stuff at about 30 percent retail and nobody was uh nobody was biting i mean what's the status on that is it just like they're not supporting war machine and they're just totally moving towards whatever warcaster or whatever their new thing's called uh, they are moving a lot towards Warcaster, but uh, one of the big issues with uh, War Machine is they've come out with some new models, uh, Riot Quest models, that uh, translate into War Machine hordes, and they're just apparently bonkers. And then they've got um, all the uh, the Angel models now, hmm. the uh, the Archons they call them. That uh, it's just a it's an Archon meta. Oh wow. So is I mean I don't I'm not familiar, but is an Archon kind of like is it a big model like a Colossal? I mean, like what is it? It's a uh, it's a 50 millimeter model, so it's not a big model, but it's a it's a large model, and it's just it's there. The concept is they're angels that have come down, and each faction has their own angel, and each of the angels do something different, and then if you play okay. mercenaries, you can play all the different angels at the same time. Okay, so. Yeah, and I can definitely understand when new hotness comes out, and we'll talk a little bit about new new hotness in Malifaux, but it can really be a detriment to to the meta, especially if it's too strong. So that's one of the things I know we're going to talk about when we get into this. But generally speaking, Chris, coming from War Machine, what are some skills that you definitely had to have in War Machine that translate really well, you think, into Malifaux? Knowing your army is paramount. The skills that uh, that I brought from War Machine over to uh, Malifaux is, you know, just read your cards, know your army, and when you know your army, you can uh, you can play well in pretty much any game. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things, and I think that coming from War Machine is kind of a definitely a you know a positive because there are way more cards and and rules in War Machine, right? There are way more cards and rules. Uh, rule book is about three times as thick as Malifaux. Maybe not even, maybe four times as thick. 
Yeah, and I, I know that the gotchas were really big in in War Machine, but I think I think the positive, like I think that there's so much or sorry, so little room for mistakes in War Machine that I think that really helps you out in Malifaux because if you make one mistake in in War Machine, the game could be over because that's your caster getting assassinated or real quick points scored for your opponent that just really turned the game. Yeah. It's almost impossible to come back with uh, some small mistakes in War Machine, whereas Malifaux, you can make a bunch of small mistakes and still pull out ahead, as we've learned many, many a times. <laughs> well, I mean, there's been games where, like, you could lose your, you know, uh, you could you could lose your uh, leader, you could lose everything, and you could still win the game at the end just because you had more points that you scored. Absolutely. That's Which is why, awesome. one of the reasons why I love the game. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I'm glad I played War Machine, but I definitely wouldn't go back to it. It's just... I've really kind of grown into these skirmishing games more and, you know, the big army games, I'm just not really, uh, just not really a big fan of anymore. Yeah. With your opponent having, you know, with you and your opponent having 20 minutes of just, you know, moving around the board before you get to do anything. It's just, it's absolutely boring. It's mind numbing. I, I didn't like it also when, you basically you had this idea of what your turn was going to be, and then your opponent either alpha strikes you or they just really spike hard and kill something that was really important to your next turn. And then you have to sit there for another hour and a half, two hours while they finish killing you. Yes, absolutely. So definitely definitely glad that Malifaux doesn't have a lot of those mechanics. So anything else about coming over from War Machine that you think is interesting kind of correlation or... That is a skill you're really glad you have for Malifaux. Being able to read the cards, um, not just necessarily knowing your army, but being able to uh, coming from a different uh, game where the the stats and everything like that transition very well also is a huge advantage. Well, and also maybe you can kind of talk this a little bit more, but I also feel like that the Malifaux cards are easier to read than the War Machine cards. They are, absolutely. Way easier like, to read. They, they did a great job streamlining the rules because you can look and if you see, you know, something like Crit Strike, then it's like, okay, I know, I know what that model is going to get with that benefit. Where, you know, if you misread just like one word on a War Machine card, especially like the... Uh, your Warcaster's like ultimate ability. I forget what they call that. I haven't played in so long. It's called a feat. If you miss one word on there and you misread it, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. And you're like, oh, that's what that does. Oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't come back from it. Yeah. Do you think the gotchas are a lot less in Malifaux? The gotchas are a lot less. And that's one of the reasons why I love playing it. Well, I know there are times, and we actually had this a little bit when we played the game we're about to talk about, but... I know there are times where I've heard you say like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the thing I do like, because everybody likes their stuff to be powerful, but I feel like in Malifaux, the powerful stuff is kept in check by other powerful stuff. It is. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, you do something really broken, but so do I. Yes. <laughs> it's not necessarily broken. It's just a little bit bending the rules, bending the rules. Well, I know like when I was playing Ulix that one time, you're just like, this crew's so stupid. Crew, that crew is stupid. I mean, it just is. <laughs> uh, just the pig love, man. Just they hit so hard. They hit way too hard, way harder than they should. Yeah, you take care of the lead pig, though. You can get it taken care of. That's right. <laughs> 
What we're going to do looking into the game that Chris and I played, we played a game where I played the new Apex keyword for the Explorer Society. We played, I played the Apex keyword with Lord Cooper. And man, I tell you what, this Explorer Society is going to be a lot of fun. And then Chris, you actually played some uh, McMorning, right? I did. I gave McMorning all the love he deserves. <laughs> so what we'll do here in a second is we'll go through what the pool was, because anytime, especially for you new players, you're going to get the pool first before you decide anything. So we're going to tell you what the pool was. We'll go through our mindsets on, okay, well, why did we choose the masters that we did? Then we're going to go through the schemes and strat, well, not the strat, but we'll go through the schemes that we picked. And then finally, we'll talk about how the game went, who won, and then some thoughts. And we're going to have a lot of thoughts about this one because we definitely got to see some cool new models in action and doing some of the things that they do. Just give everybody an idea of what we were looking at for the strats and schemes for this. We are looking at, it was a corner deployment, which... Unless you're playing a certain master, I hate. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. But it was recover evidence. And then the schemes we had were hidden martyrs, take prisoner, research mission, vendetta, and sabotage. So Chris, when you looked at this pool, what what were some of the things that were going through your mind? Because we already declared that I was doing the Explorer Society and then you chose to do Rezzers. So what were some of the thoughts going through your head? Well, as soon as I saw corner, I thought, you know, what the hell? Um, it, it's the hardest deployment to, uh, to utilize. Um, so, so as a reser player, when you see corner, which crews are you kind of thinking of taking without looking at the pool? The, the first thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking resers and corner, I'm thinking Karai, uh, she's got, uh, some great movement shenanigans and then Jan Lowe's got some great movement shenanigans. Okay. So what made you kind of lean into McMorning then when you were looking at declaring uh, a crew for this uh, pool? I, uh, I wanted to try a new model that I haven't tried uh, ever. Uh, Kentari, um, the, uh, the horse riders or the, uh, the centaurs. The cent- yeah, the centaur looking dead thing. Yeah, the undead centaurs. Um, yeah. I haven't tried it yet. And he adds a little bit of uh, movement onto McMorning. So I wanted to give him a shot. Yeah, I think he had a ride with me, right? He does. He does. Yeah, which actually, I mean, that helps out McMorning a ton. It gives him a ton of movement. It does. It's phenomenal. So and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into the actual game. But when we look at the pool and we look at, okay, how are we going to win the game? A lot. Of, well, first off, the strategy was recover evidence. So you have to kill stuff. And then you look at all the schemes and they're like, okay, we're doing some more kill stuff with things like uh, Vendetta and um hidden martyrs was another one uh so there was some killy stuff in here so i definitely can see why you lean towards mcmorning i yeah i as soon as i saw the scheme pool and i saw that there was no really big uh you know movement shenanigans when it comes to you know getting around armies or anything like that everything in this pool pretty much was kill or try and move through to get to the other side and when it comes to uh corner deployment and sabotage i mean yeah, good luck. Yeah, good luck. So, unless you're playing like Zip or unless you're playing a real flyy crew, you're you're probably not going to get there. Exactly. Okay. So, I was looking at this crew at this pool and I've been just I've been real like when I look at the Explorer Society, Lord Cooper really speaks to me a lot. Like I see this guy and I'm like, "Yes, I want to hunt humans. <laughs> I want to kill things." And this pool really spoke to that. 
and that. do it well and do it very very well yeah yeah it's not just hunt humans and, and kill stuff it's it's do it very well yeah, so and it was corner deployment, which I think is actually really good for Lord Cooper because that gives him and his crew more time to really just sit back and shoot stuff. It does. Which which we saw definitely happened as the game kind of, you know, started to develop. Unfortunately, we did. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's kind of go through what we chose to bring because I think there's a lot of interesting choices that we both made. Now, me Every time I play a crew for the first time and it's brand new to me, I just pick the cool stuff. So I actually showed this to a buddy of mine and he was like, oh, you didn't bring this? I'm like, no, dude, I only brought the things where I'm like, this is cool. So <laughs> you you can go ahead and start, Chris. What were what did you end up bringing? So I brought uh, McMorning with his uh, zombie chihuahua or chihuahua, as we like to call him. I went with Sebastian, Mortimer, the Kentori, Carrion Emissary. And a grave digger. Okay, so we already talked about why you brought the uh, the Kintori, but why do you uh, you seem to always bring that that carrion emissary and Sebastian with McMorning? Why do you like that specifically? I do actually. I like the carrion emissary and the grave digger and Mortimer as a uh, as a team because they can put out uh, corpse markers or bring in some uh, some zombies for McMorning to eat and to uh, make into flesh constructs which uh, which is really where it's at in this crew those flesh constructs are just amazing so annoying man i tell you yeah yeah Ugh. a seven a seven point model for three corpse token i mean you you can't go wrong with it well plus i think you also use the carrying emissary really well with putting out the coffin markers to block and kind of funnel your opponent where you want them. I do. Absolutely. I block, uh, I block my, uh, myself and I funnel you exactly where I want you to go. Yeah. And since the carrion can fly, it's like, it doesn't care. It doesn't care at all. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I, uh, I combo that with putting, uh, the whisper on the carrion emissary so that I know that, uh, that everything that I need to do with the carrion emissary is going to go off. Yeah, I was going to say, because that really lets you make sure you're not going to flip that black joker or anything. Exactly. Because I think actually, besides McMorning, I think your carrying emissary is probably the one activation that you're like, okay, this activation can't go wrong. This can't go wrong. Absolutely. McMorning it, it, and the carrying emissary. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like your engine for what McMorning's trying to do. Exactly. So the crew that I brought was obviously Lord Cooper. He has three runaways, which... We'll talk about the runaways when we get into the gameplay because they're hilarious. I love them. Uh, really cool kind of fork mechanic with them. Uh, then I had to bring the two dogs because they're just these hunting bloodhounds and they're just awesome. So I brought Artemis and Euler. Uh, I had to bring the Malasaurus Rex because, yeah, it's just a big dinosaur. How can you not bring it? Uh, Model 9, which actually was kind of interesting. I have some ideas next time I play with it. And then I brought the Intrepid Emissary because I really like the way that I think that model is going to look with this cool like lion head, just, you know, centurion kind of pose. Uh, just really cool. So I ended up bringing the Flush with Cash upgrade on Lord Cooper and the Malasaurus Rex, which <laughs> with bribery is pretty hilarious because <laughs> it ended up, and we'll talk about this and how frustrating it was for you, but it ends up keeping your models alive a lot longer than they probably should. So Really cool upgrade. It's an annoying upgrade. That's exactly what it is. It's an annoying yeah, but, upgrade. But my goal was to shoot things with Cooper, have the dogs kind of run around and, and hunt, and then just eat stuff with the Malasaurus Rex and 
protect with in the intrepid emissary. So that was kind of my goal uh, playing this for the very first time. And I think there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion here because whenever you play a crew for the first time, there's a lot of interesting moments where you realize how things actually work on the table. And there was definitely a lot of that while, while we were playing. So looking at both our lists, Chris, we then had to decide on the pool, on, on the pool, what we were going to bring or what we we're going to try to do to win the game. So for recover evidence, we both had only five models we could put the evidence on. So we didn't have to make any decisions there. But what were the two schemes that you were trying to go for as the game progressed? Well, when I look at this pool, I uh, and I have the, the, the list that I brought, research mission is, is an auto. Uh, the, the carrying emissary can put out those coffin markers. I use a lot of corpse markers. So then I only need to really get one other type of marker on the board. Um, now, now, Chris, this is interesting because there's a lot of people that don't do that scheme a lot. Why, as a reser player, do you find yourself taking it so much? Uh, just the ability to put out so many different types of markers. So re as a reser, we utilize corpse markers continuously. Um, and then, uh, you know, ski markers are pretty much an easy, easy put out. And then, you know, just as long as I have the ability to put any other type of marker out, it's simple. Yeah, it, it really is, especially for resers, because they can manipulate a lot of different types of markers. Uh, and I think a lot of people should use that one a little bit more. But what was the second one you took? I went with Vendetta. Vendetta was uh, was kind of an auto uh, take for me as well, because I am a killie crew and I mm -hmm. just want to get in and hit you and beat the shit out of you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I ended up going with a couple, so... I ended up going with uh, Hidden Martyrs, which I actually like taking because I like picking models that I know I'm going to sacrifice kind of for the greater good. Uh, so the two models that I chose were actually the dogs. I picked Artemis and Euler because I know they're support pieces, but they also want to be kind of close up. So I knew Artemis, since he's the damage dealing one, would be the one that would probably go down first. And then since Euler is kind of more of a support piece, I was like, okay, he's probably going to live most of the game, if not the whole game. So that was kind of my idea with that one. And then I also took Vendetta because, I mean, I want to kill stuff too. And I actually, since you took the Carrion Emissary, I was able to take the Malasaurus Rex as the target that was going to get the point for the Carrion Emissary. So that was kind of what I decided to do was kind of try to go sick my dinosaur on your giant bird. And it went well. It went okay. Well, we're going to get into it for sure. Let's go ahead and kind of get into the early game. So... When we started moving and deploying, what were some of your goals? How were you trying to set up the board to score your points? So how did that first couple turns go for you? Uh, so McMorning's crew just really wants to move straight up the middle, um, try to counter anything, any type of uh, uh, off positioning that you do, and then uh, just hit hard. So I pushed McMorning up and pretty much everything else followed him. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting because the way the board was set up, there was kind of a barrier or a wall that really kind of divided part of the middle of the board where you had to go around one way or the other. And you actually used the carrion to put down coffin markers to prevent my dinosaur from going up the left side of that middle. And it forced me to have to go up the right. It forced you to, yeah, it forced you to go straight where McMorning was sitting. <laughs> You're like, Hey, I know you want to go this way, but you need to go see the doctor, right? You need to go get a physical. That's right. 
<laughs> I actually built a wall of those coffin markers so that you, you, did. Much, you couldn't do anything. You were stuck going position yeah, one way. I, ba- I basically had to decide at that point on was I going to devote a model into destroying those or was I going to go around? And ultimately, I ended up choosing to go around just because I, I thought that's how I'd get most efficient. Um, I think the thing that you and I found interesting about my side of the board was how much out of activation movement there actually is in the apex keyword. It's, it's too much, too much <laughs> out of activation movement, too much. You moved Malasaurus Rex almost to the very middle turn one. Yeah, it got pretty close because, uh, I mean, Euler has flushed them out, which other friendly models push towards a target uh, four inches towards it. So basically it goes, hey, there's a target over there and you push a model towards it. Uh, so that gave the Rex four inches of movement. And then I think it was Artemis. Yeah, so Artemis has intimidating roar. So it can push a target six inches away from it. So, I mean, that's 10 inches of movement that the Malasaurus Rex got just from the dogs. Yep. It's pretty good. It I was like pretty it. good. Yeah. <laughs> so the dogs, I think, are... I don't know if they're an auto-include every time, but I feel like that they do a lot of maneuvering and... Euler has actually a really cool ability for mid game that we'll talk about. Um, a couple other things I was trying to set up because I wasn't sure how I was going to do it is I there's an interesting game with the runaways, right? The runaways start on the midline and they have to start on the midline just because they're trying to run away from Cooper. So when you deploy them, the goal is to it's almost like this fun mini game that the Cooper player gets to have. So I was looking at these runaways and you want one or two of them to get out. They're trying to run away and get out to uh, basically draw you extra cards sometime during the game. You can also, if they get killed by an enemy, they get the adversary keyword. And then also if they get killed by the enemy, you can get a soul stone. So there's really no negative to them dying, right? And it's this cool mini game of what do I want to get out of these runaways? So I don't know, Chris, looking at this runaway system mechanic for the first time, what were you trying to do with these things as the opponent? I didn't know what to do with them. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to throw a I know I know that as a one point model, they're not worth me expending uh, a lot of actions on them. And so I threw a couple of soft shots at them, realized that they have health four and it's not as easy to just one shot them as, as you might think. So I really didn't expend a lot of actions into them. I know that uh, the, the apex keyword uh, adversary is just is bonkers because Cooper, as long as you're in his line of sight, you don't lose it. Yeah, it's kind of like Karai, right? Yeah, it's like Karai, so it's not great. I think you actually handled it probably the smartest way is you kind of ignored them unless you had a zombie nearby that you... It was basically like free AP, right? Where you're like, okay, this is just a zombie. I'm going to kill it eventually. It is, exactly. And that's how I killed one of them right there uh, towards the, uh, I think it's turn two on the right-hand side. Um, I let the one far right go um, just because it was so far off my positioning i didn't want to waste anything yeah and then you kind of you tempted me with the one on the left hand side you kind of left it (laughs) right there to where i could kind of get it if i wanted to off position just a tiny bit and it was actually really smart on your side so 
Yeah, I think you can use them to try and like bait your opponent into wasting activations. So that was kind of one mini game I was playing where it's like, okay, I'm going to leave that one over there because any actions that get wasted towards it, great. Uh, the one that I put in the middle was the one I'm like, okay, this is the one I'm going to try to get up and out. And then the one died early to zombies. So the poor, poor bastard didn't even see it coming. Yep. But I think the one thing that I'm going to play next time, because I made a mistake, I think it was turn two. I think I actually wasted a shot during Lord Cooper's activation. And what I failed to realize was you can actually do the bonus action call for help. And not only do you get to try and distract the enemy, but Lord Cooper can take a free shot out of activation at that model. So that that's one thing that I'm going to try to do the next time I play with this crew. But it was something I didn't get to utilize in game when we tried it the first time. So that's definitely, plus I love the idea of this crazy guy running up being like, dude, help me out here. And I yeah. just getting shot at it. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You definitely did not play that, uh, play that correctly. You didn't even notice the call for help until, uh, until it was, uh, I, I noticed it turned two, but I was a little too far out of position to benefit from it. So I was like, okay, that's just going to be a next game kind of thing. Um, so yeah, the, the runaway mechanic is definitely a cool mini game. I love the idea of trying to bait your opponent into going to get one of them. Uh, until they die, they're pretty much just free pass tokens. That's the way I look at them. They are, absolutely. So I definitely love it. It's a really interesting uh, mechanic for sure. The other thing I was trying to do is really I was just, my goal besides that was to position the Rex up as far as I could and then use the dogs to really set up my shots and then do as much damage with Lord Cooper. And uh, I think early game, you actually got scared by Lord Cooper pretty quick. You want to kind of say what happened to McMorning there, uh, Chris? I got, yeah, I did not want, I, as soon as I had McMorning about halfway up the board, uh, you hit me uh, with two shots and took me down from uh, from 12 life to one life, and uh, or <laughs> two, two life. And I was just... Uh, it was very intimidating. I just, <laughs> I did not know what to think about that. I it yeah, it caught me off guard. Yeah, but the good news is McMorning heals a ton. McMorning heals a ton. I was back up to full life the next turn, but I still did not uh I did not position McMorning uh <laughs> anywhere near where you can get me. You're like, I'm going to hide behind this wall until somebody goes deal with it. <laughs> I hid. I absolutely I am not ashamed to admit it. I hid. Yeah, and honestly, though, and this is where we talked kind of mid-game because I think it was turn four. You were like, well, why don't you just try to kill McMorning? I mean, you almost killed him before. And then that's when we had the discussion. Yeah, I mean, I did that because it was fun, but I got to try to win the game. So now I'm trying to kill the pieces that have the evidence, right? That's exactly how it happens. Yeah, because you you mentioned that. And I think you and I have this problem sometimes where we do the fun thing and then we're like, oh, this isn't going to win me the game, but I'm having a lot of fun. It is definitely uh, sometimes very tempting to do the fun thing of killy, killy, kill, kill. I want to kill that model. Yes. Yeah, because I think I could have killed McMorning if I really wanted to with Cooper because... I mean, his damage track is just kind of ridiculous. It's very similar to Seamus. It is very similar to Seamus. It's it's three five seven, and it could ignore like hard to kill and demise abilities uh, with adversary. Uh, one thing that I, I want to talk about real quick because he can put adversary on any one model, and then there's ways to put adversary on other models to get that positive flip. But he has a really cool mechanic with predatory instinct. 
So being the opponent, what did you think about that that keyword ability as I was using it? The keyword ability, you have it on every model. Was it every model in your entire? Except for the uh, emissary. Except for the emissary. Okay, yeah. So predatory instinct was just nuts. I mean, it is ridiculous. To be able to get a positive on the flip uh, on either side just for taking a negative on the, the reversal, it's just In my opinion, it's way overpowered. Well, and I think that the way you're going to see it used most, because you only use it once per activation, so there is that limit. But I mean, Cooper, you're only shooting once or twice per activation anyways. So I think the way you're going to see it used most is to get a positive flip on the hit and then on the duel. And then you'll just take the extra negative on the damage. Maybe you're trying... Yeah, because you might, like, I did it a couple times where I was just trying to fish for, like, the red joker. I was like, you want to know what? Another negative? I might hit that red joker. Absolutely. You did that. <laughs> uh, you actually were trying to fish for the red joker about five or six times in that game. So Yeah, because, I, mean, yeah, I mean, can you imagine with Lord Cooper hitting that red joker and he's doing, what, eight damage? He's doing eight damage. It's just, it's nuts. I'm really happy that every single time you fished for it, you never got it. You, you were sweating a little bit, I could tell. Yeah, the only time you <laughs> actually you finally got it on uh, a terrifying check, if I remember, or something, something yeah. simple like that. Yeah, and I think that's where the fun with Lord Cooper comes, where you're just like, you want to know what? I'm already at a negative. Throw another negative in there. Let's just see if we can, you know, get lucky and slam this red joker down. And it's going to happen. You're going to get that eight red joker, especially with that ability with uh, Predatory Instinct. And will eventually, yes. That's why I don't think the negative is like a terrible, like, drawback for it. Especially on damage. It's not. That's why I was saying it's overpowered because it's actually, <laughs> it's a benefit when it comes right down to it. I mean, there was a couple of them because you were playing Rezzers where it was like a triple negative. <laughs> it was, yeah, there were a couple of triple negatives. And I was like, cool, let's just keep flipping. Yeah, let's do this. And I also just, spoiler alert, I had the Black Joker in my hand, so I wasn't worried. <laughs> yes, you had the Black Joker in your hand and then the next turn you threw the Black Joker down and you were like, you know what, it's time to get rid of this. You know, two full turns where you didn't have to worry about the Black yep. Joker. Yep, so good. Uh, yeah, it lets you be a little more aggressive when you know where that thing is too. So that was kind of my game as it started to progress. So looking at it as the game unfolded, what were you starting to focus on? Like, how are you starting to get your points? Because I think at the end of turn two, I don't think either one of us scored the strategy because nothing major was dead yet. So I don't think, I think I actually scored one of my schemes on turn two. I think I scored, nope, I didn't score turn two. So no, I think I agree that you scored uh, Vendetta. So I scored Vendetta turn three. And I actually think I scored Hidden Martyr because I think uh, you killed Artemis with McMorning. That's right. Yep. Yep. No, you scored Hidden Martyrs first and the very next turn you got uh, Vendetta. Yeah. And then we also started getting Recover Evidence. So that was something else we started scoring points for as well as things started to die. Yes. Um, Let's kind of at that was the point, though. Turn three is when the dinosaurs started getting in the mix with things. So what are your interpretations of the Malasaurus Rex? What are your initial reactions to how it played on the board? Because I think a lot of people are interested in that model. I spent so many action points trying to take down Malasaurus Rex. It is just insane. I probably threw, what, about nine different action, different APs into that? I mean, at least. At least nine. It is survivable. 
yeah, it, it, it's so survivable. It is incredibly survivable. It is just, it's phenomenal. It is a phenomenal card with, with having, you know, flush with cash, uh, the, the card, the upgrade on that. It's, mm-hmm. oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. The cool thing that helps it keep, and this is why I made the list the way I did because Lord Cooper has a built in, um, so Cooper has foul mouth motivation, so he can heal the Malasaurus Rex and it gives focus to the Malasaurus Rex. So it's really kind of fueling that engine. And then on top of that, you have the Emissary, which we didn't even get to see some of the cool stuff. But I mean, it has Phalanx. So, I mean, models within three inches get shielding one. So, I mean, that's going to help it stay, help the Malasaurus Rex stay alive. It has take the hit. So it can take the hits instead of the Rex. And then on top of that, it has Aura of Courage. So as long as it passes a duel by two or more, it heals one after that duel. So there's a lot of ways in this faction, and this is just first time playing it, to help that damn dinosaur do a ton of work. It did It did way more work than it, I was saying throughout the game. You know, it's a it's 12 point model with that upgrade you included. I would say it's worth, you know, no less than 15 points. Uh, it, it is an amazing model. Yeah, it has 12 hit points. I mean, it's only defense and willpower four. Uh, but that being said, it's terrifying. You put the upgrade on it where it's like, ooh, this might go bad. Here's a soul stone. I'm going to bribe you, Chris, to not attack me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free attack. Free, free no attack. That's exactly how it is. And especially you have to position that. So, like, if, you know, I were to come at you with Seamus or something like that, you just, you know, ignore that shot. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part of it where you're not going to get shot twice. Probably get one because, I mean, Seamus can always get his two shots, right? Pretty much. As long as you set him up correctly. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, the Malasaurus Rex has a really cool, plus, sorry, I forgot this heal. He also has tear off a bite, so he can heal two when he's doing damage. Uh, yes. Uh, I also thought the Rampage was kind of cute, where basically it can charge through or charge away from models that it's in. Because there is one point where you had half your crew surrounding the Malasaurus Rex. And he walked right out of it. Yeah. Or he pushed right out of it. Yeah, we should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also think... Um, I think also the bonus action is kind of cool. Uh, lashing tendrils, where he can basically move uh, a model four inches in any directions, and then it can take a melee attack action with the same model. So, I mean, you can get three attacks with this thing pretty good. Absolutely. And his attacks are strong. Yeah, three, four, five, nothing nothing to sneeze at. Yep. Oh, man. So I really enjoyed this model. Uh, obviously, there's other things in it that are really cool, too. But those are just some of the fun things that we definitely got to uh, to experience. Uh, oh, it also has rush, dude. So it was a six inch or sorry, seven inch move. It is. It yes. That ignores severe and hazardous terrain and can move through other models. Yes, it's a good model. So this is also why I chose it to go after your carrying emissary because it has ruthless. So I wouldn't care about your terror. Right. Exactly. So I, you probably knew that was coming up towards you, which I think is why you were trying to box me in a little bit. I was, absolutely. You're like, yeah, that thing's probably coming for my birdie. <sighs> <laughs> Deep sigh. Deep sigh. <laughs> All right, so as the game started going, so a couple of models that I lost, obviously my runaways started dying. You killed one of them. Uh, the other one I think died too. So I think a couple of your models ended up getting adversary. And then one of them actually escaped. I was really excited about that. <laughs> I was like, he got away. He got away. It actually came in the most 
inopportune time for myself for yeah. it to happen because you you know were completely you burnt through all your cards and I know you were setting it up that way but I was you know I was riding high there for a little while so, oh this is gonna be great this is gonna be good and then you ran away and yeah yeah I drew up to six which is always nice yeah yeah because you really do have to time it because you you draw up to six you don't draw you know seven car- or you don't draw six cards and then discard it's draw up to your hand size. So you really have to time it. And it's not hard to do. You just have to keep it in mind. You just have to keep it in mind. Absolutely. And I didn't want to have to uh, to divert any of my dudes back to uh, to go back to my uh, deployment zone. It just... It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. It was half a board away. So there was a model that I wasn't sure exactly how to play with while the game was developing this way. And I think at this point, turn three, I think we were both sitting... Actually, I think I was sitting at three and you were sitting at one point, if I remember right, maybe two. Yep. The The question was, is, you know, when am I going to start scoring? Yeah. And I was like, what? Because you hadn't done your schemes yet. So I think you were at two by the end of turn four. And I was like, OK, what's his schemes? But the model that I really was playing with where I wasn't sure exactly how I felt like using him was model nine. Model nine. And it's kind of a robot, which is, he's cool. He's nine points. He has predatory instinct, but he also kind of throws these like knives around and he can charge while he's engaged and stuff. Uh, so it's just this really kind of interesting model. Uh, I don't know. What did you think about him as I was kind of fumbling around trying to figure out what to deal, do with him? Model nine's good. Model nine is uh, very survivable. Amazingly enough, I had uh, what a flesh construct and a canine remains right up engaged with him, and he just laughed it off. Yeah, I ended up just kind of charging on out of that, and then because uh, I mean we we kind of looked through the rules, and a charge is a push, so you can use that to kind of disengage. Yep. And I just ended up kind of going around the building and trying to help out the crew a little bit. Yeah, but. You uh you wasted two of my models uh trying to follow him and try to engage re-engage him because I actually I, I shot myself in the foot by putting those uh those coffin markers where I did because I couldn't get the flesh construct and the canine remains back into the middle of the board. I had to go yeah. I had to follow you all the way around the building. Yep. Yeah, and so he was kind of just going around. Uh, I I feel like next time I play with him, I'm going to use that X marks the spot a little bit better uh, because it helps ignore friendly fire, which is definitely huge for Cooper. Yep. So I think that's where I'm going to focus my efforts uh, next time. But that being said, I think once you ended up moving your flesh construct around, I think you figured out kind of how you wanted to stop Lord Cooper from shooting people like Sebastian. Cause he almost one shotted Sebastian, poor bastard. He did. Absolutely. And Sebastian was, uh, my other vendetta target. So, or my, uh, my vendetta, uh, that needed to live, that needed to live. So I really, I was actually pretty thankful that I had to follow the model nine all the way around the board with the flesh construct because I was able to, uh, engage Cooper. And, uh, that is Cooper's weak spot. Yeah. Because he can't, he cannot disengage by himself. That's the kind of the downside. Yep. He can't because (laughs) he has his eyes on the prize, man. He's not going to get distracted, but he's also can't disengage. He's going to chop you with a machete until you're dead. Yep, exactly. And a flesh construct is, is great for survivability when it comes to, uh, yeah, they're tough, they're tough, man. They are tough. Yeah, because he's only going to do two damage to it. So, I mean, you're going to have to waste like a full 
one and a half activations just to get through that flesh construct. And then by that time, you probably got another one coming at him. Absolutely. Yeah. So by that time, he was kind of isolated and I didn't have the tools to kind of disengage him. So that was kind of, that's definitely the downside of Cooper. You got to kind of play that smart, which of course, the first time I play a crew, I'm not going to play them optimally. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was the first time you were playing the crew. You weren't playing it the way it should be done. Yeah, but Sebastian did end up dying. I think I got him finally with, I think, I think it was the emissary that killed him. Because you failed to kill the emissary. I failed to kill the emissary. Yeah, amazingly enough, Sebastian, who is a killy model, funny enough, he's, you know, a little, you know, creepy dude with a saw, but he is a good killy model. Um, he was not able to take down the emissary. The emissary is tough. Emissary yeah, it's, is good. Tough. it's a good model. It is. Because it not only protects itself, but it protects your crew. And, I mean, the damage isn't super awesome but i mean it's two four six it's it's going to do damage it is going to do damage it's a good it's good output for an emissary yeah yeah that's what i'm saying and uh you can also get more shielded i mean you can knock things aside uh one that i actually uh discovered even though your model wasn't close enough to hit was sweeping strikes pretty good where you can put a blast down as well it is (laughs) that's a good way to get rid of some of your stupid zombies it is absolutely um yeah and I mean, it started kind of getting down to it. And the problem that I think I had as we started getting into, you know, the last couple turns, Chris, is I feel like you really started to out attrition me with uh, McMorning. So you want to kind of speak to that a little bit, like how you saw it starting to play out those last two turns. Yeah, those last two turns, I really uh, I kind of started knowing that I had it in the bag um, with uh, being able to bring in a flesh construct every turn with McMorning. So because... j- just to set it up though, at that point I was up, I think four to two. You were up four so to two. So it was, the, it was the last turn, but the way the board was set up, I mean, how did you see it kind of playing out? Yeah. So I had dropped a lot of evidence markers. So I knew that I was going to, or I had gotten you to drop a lot of evidence yeah. markers. So I was, I, you know, I had the last two evidence markers for four and five. Um, research mission was starting to come into play. Um, I didn't want to waste any action points getting research mission out, knowing that I could have it in the end in two turns. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to waste anything putting, you know, scheme markers down or anything like that that needed to be done. If I, you know, if I got it without having to work for it, great. But otherwise research mission is more towards the end of the game. But uh, yeah, I just, I was out attritioning you with uh, summoning flesh constructs. I was surrounding pretty much all of your guys with all of my stuff. You were. And, and I was just losing hit points. Like I couldn't, there was no, I, there was no way for me to out heal your poison out heal. Your poison was out healing me essentially. The poison was out healing you. Absolutely. Every, almost everything that I had engaged with you that you would hit, that you would want to hit would give you poison every time you hit it. So. And I think the biggest part of that too is you had Lord Cooper engaged. And I think once that happened, my options were very limited. Yeah, as soon as uh, that's actually the key takeaway that I took out of the game is engage Lord Cooper as soon as possible, which is nuts because Lord Cooper wants you to run right at him. Yeah, it's like you have to get something in his face just to. I think with Cooper's crew, the kind of thing that I'm starting to notice, especially as we got into the turn four and five, I was like, okay, once Cooper's engaged and you make the apex models have to work to get him free, now you're getting them to waste activations and actions 
to free up Cooper. So the more you can bog Cooper down, the more that crew is going to have to waste their actions to get him free. That's the way to do it. Absolutely. So I think you went about it, like, even though it was a little sketchy there, turn one, two, and three, I think you went about it the right way where using your more disposable pieces to try and whittle me down. And then after you whittled me down, locking down Cooper, and then I didn't have my support pieces to free him up. Absolutely. I had McMorning right there to where I was able to, uh, if I wanted to walk over and uh, engage Cooper as well and just start doing some raining, some damage down. Yeah. So as we got towards the end of the game there, uh, I think the we kind of talked out the last kind of turn because it was pretty obvious the way it was going to go. But uh, we ended up saying it was probably six to four, I think, is where we said it was probably going to end up. It was. Yep. So it was, it was five or six to four, but yeah. it was definitely not going to be a tie. Yeah. Cause it was four, it was like four to three while we went into turn five and we looked at the board and kind of all the models and said, okay, I can't stop you from getting another evidence. I can't stop you from scoring uh research, research mission. mission. So yep. we knew he had at least five. Yep. And I had no way to score any more points realistically on the board. Absolutely. And I think Sebastian was actually still alive with one hit point left. And you were like, I could kill him. But if I fail to kill him, that's another point for you. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. And we were saying like, and even if I do prevent that point, you still had the other two. I still had the other two. So, yeah. So it was a really interesting game, but which model do you think was your MVP? Which model were you like, okay, this model did the important thing right then. Carrying emissary all the way, carrying emissary, being able to uh, distract and divert you was phenomenal. Yeah, he did give me my first vendetta point, but then the Malasaurus Rex died, so I couldn't get the second one. That's exactly right. But yeah, the carrying emissary, man, it's just, it's such a cool positional piece. And it also helps you get those zombies up and running to just be a pain in the ass, man. Yeah, carrying emissary with Whisper gives you the ability to get a mindless zombie every turn. Do you need a suit for the, the zombie? You do not. He actually has uh, that auto built into it. It's pretty, oh, nice. that's pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good, man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, I mean, he just, I think if you see like, and that's the thing though, I, I think unless you know what your opponent's bringing, it's tough because I, that's what I love about Malifo with kind of the blind reveal of the list. Because if you don't have a model that can get rid of those stupid coffin markers, you're kind of just sitting there like, well, now I got to work around this dumb shit. Exactly. Exactly. And most, most models don't take, you know, take care of them. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. there's very few uh, models in each faction that really can, have, you know, have a hard counter to those, uh, the markers. I was just, whenever I see stupid markers like that, I'm like, if I was playing Zip, this wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this would not be a problem. Uh, but Lord Cooper was just like, whatever, I'll shoot stuff. I, I probably should have just played boring and just kind of stayed back and just shot you as you came around your own coffin markers. You could have. I'm glad you didn't. Although I don't <laughs> think you would have been able to score a lot of points if you had done that. I know. You got, you got to get points eventually, right? You got to get points to win the game. So I think my MVP, if I'm looking at it, hmm, this is kind of interesting because I, I like a lot of these models and the way they played. Hmm. You wanna, I'm going to go with one that I don't think a lot of people will initially think, but I think, man, I, I think Euler actually might be my MVP. I'm pretty sure Euler was your MVP. It, because when you look at what he did during the game, first off, 
he can place himself within two inches of a friendly apex, um, a friendly non-minion apex keyword. So, I mean, that's really cool because that lets you get some movement to set up what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, he's just he has that warning growl, which I didn't see until mid-game. But damage flips against uh, friendly models within two suffer a negative. Yes. So that just makes it harder to kill stuff like the Malasaurus Rex, which is cool. And both the dogs are movement six, which is huge. They're defense six, which I thought was amazing. Uh, and the big thing that I started to play with was the hold down where I can take free shots during this activation. And I think I got that once or twice off with Lord Cooper where I got Euler to hold down so I could take another shot at you. You did. It was silly. And you were like, what? He's like, wait, wait, wait. Can you only shoot your gun once per turn or once per activation? <laughs> I was trying everything. I was it's trying like, everything. Spoiler alert, it's once per activation. It's once per activation. <laughs> so I ended up, actually, I think that's how I shot Sebastian another time. I think that's how you shot Sebastian another time and the emissary another time. Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Um, so, and then uh, this didn't come into play, but the bonus action mark territory where he can remove all scheme markers within range and gain, and put out focus. I mean, I could waste activations to do that, but if you were a scheming crew, I could use that to be like, yeah, F all your scheme markers. You could, absolutely. Which is awesome because then I get focused for Euler and he's just doing cool things. So yeah, I think Euler, I mean, obviously Lord Cooper is going to do a lot of the sexy damage, but Euler has a lot of the cool tech pieces that are, I feel like Euler is going to be the model that makes this crew sing a lot. Absolutely. All right. So looking at it, obviously you ended up getting the win. Uh, McMorning just does a lot of cool stuff. So what are your thoughts about how the game went? What were some things that you were worried about? What were some things you were kind of happy about as the game played out? Uh, worried about uh, the fact that uh, Cooper ignores cover. <laughs> yeah, that showed up early. Yeah, it showed up real early. That uh, that hit hard. Um, yeah, just uh, just engaging you was very difficult. Uh, to work around Cooper being able to shoot which is anywhere which is super good because you're like okay well then I'll just bring a model that has concealment but then it's like oh you forget about predatory instinct and adversary I'm gonna get a positive anyway so fuck your concealment yeah who cares absolutely (laughs) yeah it was it was a nightmare trying to work around it it was definitely a head scratcher there turn two turn three trying to figure out what the hell I'm gonna do trying to engage him without dying yes exactly yeah so what was something that as the game progressed that you were kind of really happy about how it went uh i was really stoked about the uh my uh, ability to put out corpse markers so i i was really able to just start churning those things out and yeah. uh, i mean i know that's that's kind of the point of bringing you know mortimer the grave, uh, grave digger, and then the carrying emissary, but um, they all just worked synchronously, splendidly. It was just, it was very well, very well done. Yeah, and I think for so one of the things I I was worried about is anytime you see McMorning, you ha- you have to be worried about where that guy is because that guy is a straight up killer, like Avery killer. Absolutely. That dude is going to wreck at least a model a turn. There, there's just no doubt about it. If he can get engaged with a model of turn, he's going to wreck a model of turn. And um, I didn't utilize Sebastian as well as he can be utilized. Uh, it's because he was scared, man. Poison he's, out. He's yeah. scared. 
Well, I was trying. I was trying to set my vendetta up. You, you moving that Malasaurus Rex around so much. I kind of you made me move that way. <laughs> no, no, I know, I get it, but just moving to the almost to the middle of the map, turn one, Sebastian. Yeah. I was just like, what do I do with Sebastian? Where does he go? Where do I put him? I tell you what, what I was really worried about because we were playing corner and I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to worry about McMorning to like turn two or turn uh, three. No, that's why I got that Kentari. Yeah, that was a great tech piece or tech pick, man, because he got you up the board turn one and I was like, balls, man. I mean, yep. I got to be careful. To, I'm not used to McMorning moving this fast. Wait a that's second. What, that's what I'm saying, man. I was yeah. like, somebody got him a horse centaur yep. thing. Somebody got him a horse centaur thing. Well, he probably made it himself, but you know. He probably did, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's experimental. Yeah, one of the things that I'm excited about is to kind of unpack this keyword. And I think it was interesting because you actually liked the list that I built for first go, right? I, I loved it. I, in fact, I told you uh, the list that you built first go is sort of a, a, the exact list I would build. And it would be like an auto build. Like it's a perfect list. It's a great yeah. list. Yeah, it's kind of a more of a an elite list, which is kind of cool. Uh, I do want to try out some of the snipers because uh, they're kind of interesting. I mean, they do two, three, four damage with crit strikes, so that puts them at three, four, five. Uh, and I think they have the ability to do they. I thought they had the ability to get the suit that they wanted. They ignore cover as well. Uh, if they have any condition, you can add a suit of your choice to the duel, which would have been really good against McMorning. Absolutely. Yep. So that's something that I want to try out just to see how I like them. Cause snipers are fun, man. And if you have enough to kind of keep them on in, in disengaged, then they can be really good. Well, Artemis or model nine would be the only pieces that I would consider interchangeable. Yeah. In yeah. Artemis way. was fun. Uh, I would have to see kind of like where I feel like he fits better uh, Euler is definitely kind of my favorite dog out of the two for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think maybe switching out model nine to try a sniper is where I'm probably going to go next time. Also, if I don't think you're bringing as killy of a list as I am, I could easily see switching out the emissary. If I don't feel like it's going to be as killy. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Just because I, I feel like Cooper and the boys can handle themselves against some of the squishier foes of Malifaux. Yeah, the emissary really only does protect against any type of killie, and it's any type of killie. So ranged or melee, um, that emissary is just phenomenal. Yeah, because even if you don't bring the emissary, Euler still has I Got Your Back, so Euler can pull you out of combat too. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Euler's just such a good, such just a the, good best, yeah. the best boy, and he's only six points. Euler is an auto-include when it comes to Cooper. I believe so. I'll, I'll make that call now. I don't care if I'm wrong, but he's he's going in all my lists. He's going. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just such such, such a good good dog. The best dog. The best um, dog. <laughs> yeah, I was just happy. I mean, obviously, I was happy that I started making the switch with Cooper to shoot important targets. Uh, it, even though it didn't technically get me any victory points, I feel like doing so much damage to McMorning actually helped me live a little longer because you were kind of... You were scared at that point. It helped. It helped absolutely. I was going to come around that uh, that wall with McMorning and just brutalize your Malasaurus Rex. And I think your Malasaurus Rex would have gone down a lot sooner than it did Probably. had you not done that. But when you took all that, uh, when you hit McMorning that hard, it that it kept me back because McMorning, it makes you think. 
Yeah, McMorning's not only a Achilles piece, but he's also he's instrumental when it comes to uh, to bringing those flesh constructs. Yeah, I mean, he's the whole point of his list really is just to to out attrition. Yeah, put zombies on the board and kill stuff. Yep, and then make more zombies. Exactly, and then make more zombies. And if I don't have McMorning, then I don't. That's a huge piece missing out of my list. Yeah. So let me ask you about this, Chris. We we talked a little bit about it, but I want to get a little bit more into it. Is the the up, upgrade flesh with cash. So you saw it on the board. Some people have different feelings towards it. What do you think about that upgrade on certain models? It is so good. Flush with cash, just the ability to, uh, I know you're sacrificing. It, it, it is once per turn. It is once per turn, but you're still, you're sacrificing a soul stone, you know, and not only you're sacrificing a soul stone, but you're giving the, uh, the opposition a soul stone. Yeah. But to be able to ignore one complete attack it's phenomenal because you can position that exactly the way you need to. And then whenever another friendly model within six is killed by an enemy model, you get to add a soul stone to this cruise soul stone. Yeah. That's phenomenal as well. So if you have, you know, if you bring a list more centered around, you know, letting some of your models die, you can really start building your soul stone pool. Well, you can really get some interesting things with the runaways because keeping the runaways within six of the models with that upgrade, they're going to die anyways. So when they die, not only are you getting their demise trigger, but you're also getting a soul stone on top of that. So you're getting two soul stones, right? Essentially, if that's the one that plays out in that situation. Right. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, I also want to mention that why it's so good on the, on the Malasaurus Rex is because you look at it and you have to pass a terrifying check. Well, that happens the same time that you decide to use the upgrade. So since you're the player that has those triggers, you get to choose which one goes first. So you're like, okay, make your terror check. Okay, you failed it. I don't need to use my flesh with cash trigger. Exactly. It so, didn't come into play very much with our game didn't. because I had zombies and zombies, you know, for the most part are ruthless. I mean, they don't care. They're just killing machines. Well, plus, honestly, if a zombie fails it, you're like, okay, yeah, who cares? I'll, I'll try again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to waste any resources to try and make that attack hit unless it's I, like I'm you're going to die. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the upgrade is strong. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's broken, though, because it is it, it is once per turn. Uh, I think we found out turn two. I was like, oh, I'm going to do it again. You're like, I think it's once per turn. Yeah, it's too good to be. <laughs> yeah, it's too good to be once per activation. I mean, but you were like, cool, at least I get a soul stone out of it. I, I, and I was happy about it because I only had one soul stone at that time. Yeah. You're like, oh, good. Maybe I can use this to keep uh, <laughs> McMorning alive. That's exactly right. Oh, man. So this is our first kind of look at Apex. So what do you think about the Apex keyword, even though you haven't seen all the models yet played on the table? Apex is phenomenal. I look forward to playing it again. Playing yeah, they're against it again. Yeah, because even though it's like dangerous, like it is that dangerous game where it's like, holy crap, I might lose a model with one shot. It's, it's kind of fun to play against, right? It was a lot of fun to play against, just positioning-wise. You uh, you maneuvering around the board and me trying to counter it, it was uh, it was a lot like chess, which you know this game is. It's a you know, souped-up version of chess. It, it kind of fit. Playing Cooper, so me as the player playing it, it felt like I was on a hunting party. It felt like I was using the hounds and I was using you know the other resources that I had to 
protect Cooper and just hunt as much crap on the board as I could. Yeah. It and felt it, like it I was, was fun. Hunted. Yep. It felt like I was being hunted. <laughs> That's why McMorning was like hiding, hiding I along hiding. the wall. I was doing the one thing that you shouldn't do with McMorning. And I was just hiding behind a wall, trying to make sure that you could not see me. Hey man, reading some of McMorning's fluff, he is notorious for, he's like, Oh crap, the guild's coming. Let me sneak out the back. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Well, early on, because he plays that role where McMorning actually is working with the guild, like as their like, you know, mortician, if you will. Yeah. But they don't know he's doing all these experiments. They don't know he's doing all the experiments. And when he got the ability to have free reign, he took it. Oh, yeah. So he's a sneaky bastard. Like he'll yeah. he'll sneak. Yeah. But yeah, man, I tell you what, if you like the idea of just like hunting stuff and, you know, really causing damage and having your opponent really sweat your activations out when you're activating stuff. Cooper is a ton of fun, man. It, it was a blast pun intended to just, just have free reign of the board. I think that is something though, that you're going to want to keep an eye out with Cooper. Cause when you play competitively with him, if you're on a table and it is just lots of line of sight, blocking terrain to the point where you're not going to be able to get your 14 inch shots off. I don't think you can bring him on those tables. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect you to bring him on uh, uh, heavy terrain tables when it comes to line of sight block. But uh, when you have free free reign of that entire board, you have to bring him every time. Because I do feel like there's going to be moments where you want to use the terrain to outflank Cooper, and then when you do, I'm just going to turn and say, "Clever girl," and then just die. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, right there. Yeah, I uh, I see Apex being sold uh complete sold out first yeah run. yeah first second run i see it being completely sold out people need to buy those immediately yeah so so i think uh looking at the kind of schedule uh you can it looks like you can pick up lord cooper's core box and his on the hunt box now uh and then the malasaurus rex and then their i think they have wonderlust key, the i don't know if that's the keyword or just the name of the box but let's see here Oh, it's their versatile box. Cool. So their versatile box is also coming out in January. So the Malasaurus Rex and uh, and that versatile box is coming out in January. So man, I'm t- I'm telling you, like, get on this Explorer bandwagon. It's it's a lot of fun. Like, I told people I wasn't going to get into this because I'm like, ah, it's the new hype. I'm not going to do it. And then here I am proxying it. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Okay, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> which you're, i know you're i know you're happy about because you're usually the one that gets on the awesome new looking models i yes and i really really need someone else to do that i have you know i have my 10 year old daughter who's getting into horseback riding so <laughs> i really need someone else to get into the new the new fuzz here don't worry i i got you man i got you yeah all right so i mean i think that apex and the thing is i've been listening to and this will be the last thing we kind of speak to here but I've been listening to a lot of people respond to the um, to the Explorers Guild or the Explorers uh, Society because it's out now and you can see all the cards. And this is actually the crew that I think is getting, like as far as power wise, I think this is the crew that's getting the least amount of hype. I think a lot of people are uh, bigger on some of the other keywords, which I'm sure we'll play and talk about soon. But I, I don't know, Chris, you looked a little bit at the cards do you think that this is kind of on the lower end or do you think this is kind of like right in the mix with the rest of them? I think this is a, an actual surprise uh, and being at the higher end. Oh, you think so? Absolutely. What makes you think that they can kind of be at the higher end? 
uh, because the crew has the ability to adapt to any situation. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is a lot of times when you have these, especially range masters, I feel like a lot of times that once you get into them, they're kind of done, right? Whereas I feel like with his keyword, there's lots of ways to pull them out. There's lots of ways to move out of activation. And there's just a lot. He even has ways to draw cards in a way with even the runaways or getting adversary out there to make his damage even more you know, consistent. And there's ways for him to get around the negatives like cover and concealment. So I think he does a lot with ranged damage that a lot of other crews that have range can't deal with. Exactly. Like I, you know, me, I love playing, uh, Ophelia and the Bayou with all their shooting damage, but they struggle in a lot of different ways. And once you engage with them, that tends to be the end of that crew. So it's good to see that Cooper can play around that more. It does. Absolutely. That's why I say he's, you know, he's got, uh, he's got a very versatile toolbox. Yeah. I think where you want to counter Cooper is I think you want to counter him with the map. So if you know, it's a a decently covered map, you're going to be like, okay, I either one, he's not going to bring Cooper or two. If they do, I'm going to be at advantage because there's lots of line of sight blocking terrain or you can do like, I'm going to bring zip and put pianos down and block that line of sight so he can't see me. Yeah, I think anything, that's what. Yeah, anything that can put down markers to block line of sight. Yeah, I think that's kind of where you need to go with, with that. Well, sorry, with that piece of countering Cooper. Uh, but yeah, he's strong. Like if you get him on the right map with the right pool, and I think the pool we had was pretty decent for him. I think he had a good shot of winning that game. Uh, there's things I would play differently, but I, I think I had a good shot at winning that game multiple times throughout it absolutely all right well any other last minute thoughts uh on this game chris any anything you want to say about the crew or the game apex is so good (laughs) it's fun man and that's the thing like even even though i didn't win that game obviously i could have if things went differently whatever but even though i didn't win it it was just fun to play man just those huge shots with the hunting rifle uh getting two shots you know a turn with it the dog's doing what they do, uh, the runaways. I really got to have a lot of fun with them. And I mean, anytime you get to shoot your own models and get a benefit for it, I'm all about it, man. I'm, I'm all about it for the greater good. Absolutely. Malsource Rex too, being you know, the unstoppable killing machine that he is. Yeah. Have you seen the, have you seen the box art for the, uh, Malsaurus Rex? I have not. I have not. Oh, uh, I'm going to send this to you. Cause I, I want you to, to react to this. I'm going to send it on the old Facebook here, just so you can see how cool this damn thing is. I want to see some size comparisons. <laughs> well, it's on a 50 mil. Oh, look at that thing. That is amazing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that can play in the fake keyword, too. So you can see that in Neverborn. Yep. Which is your good. little baby. I know. Well, I got to play I gotta play her a little bit more. I only have like one or two games with Faye. Yep. So, well, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. Cooper's going to have a lot of fun with it. And maybe I'll try it in Faye and see what I think. I look forward to seeing that on the table. Yeah, it's going to look cool. That thing's going to get painted very quickly when I get it. So (laughs) uh, make sure that, you know, if you like what we're doing with these different different pool episodes that we're doing, uh, I know, Chris, I think you did a great job coming on. So I do want to thank you for, you know, giving it a try on the podcast. Uh, Definitely, definitely good conversation. 
Rock on. So, but if you want to support the podcast, make sure that you check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we just put out our airing of grievances episode, which was, it's always fun. Uh, it's not always super heavy with a lot of gaming content. Obviously we, we bitch about a lot of different gaming things, but we also just complain about just life in general during that airing of grievance episode every year. Uh, that just came out. You can see that on Twitter, Facebook. We have the links up. Uh, also follow us on YouTube. We are going to start putting out more video content as well. We got some, I think I actually got a surprise coming from a weird that I might be able to put on the YouTube channel for everybody to enjoy when I get it. So I might invite you over, Chris, and we might have to do something with that too. Please do. I would appreciate it. <laughs> I know you're, I think you're almost more excited about what's in the box than, I, than what I am. That's exactly right. Uh, so I'm supposed to get it Monday or Tuesday, so I'll, I'll let you know when I get it and I won't touch it. So exciting. <laughs> ah. So be on the lookout for that as well. Uh, I got a backlog of audio episodes that we're going to put on YouTube because I know some people like consuming content that way. Uh, and lastly, let us know what you think about these pool episodes. If you like them, we can definitely, I mean, Chris and I like playing Malifaux a lot. So we can do one of these like at least a, a, one, one a month at least. It would be easy for us to do. Absolutely. So let us know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know what you think of the episode. But until then, make sure that you guys are flipping cards and flipping tables, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.